Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, over the last three weeks, we have been in a series on hearing the voice of God, and I believe there's two skills that are essential if you're going to be successful walking with Jesus. I I think one of those skills is being able to interpret the Word of God. I think that's an essential skill for you to know how to, something you need to know how to do as a believer, something that uh, you should be learning, because then you can dissect the Word of God and you know, God's Word is really like our, our manual for life, and I know that people don't like when we say that, but it absolutely is. It's how we learn about Him. It's how we learn about who He is and what He wants to do. And so interpreting the Bible is one of those skills we need to know. The second skill that I think is just a non-negotiable as a Christian, and one that, you know, if you learn this skill, then, you know, even if you don't have a support system around, you're going to be okay. And that's hearing the voice of God, what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. The Holy Spirit is, a, uh, is an incredible teacher, counselor, guide, and comforter, but none of those things matter if we can't hear him talking to us about those things. And so I think this message series has been incredible. I think Pastor Barry has done a great job of showing us how exactly that looks to uh, be able to hear the voice of God. He talked to us about preparing the voice of God. I'm still kind of ringing just a little bit. Jordy, really in the low end. Sorry, I know. I'm a, I, let's give it up for our sound, guys. Here's the thing as a sound guy, your highest honor is when nobody knows that you're doing what you're doing. Because when they, when they think about you and when you get attention, that's what you don't want as a sound guy. So I appreciate our sound guys. I've been there a hundred times and um, I appreciate it. I threw a new microphone at him this morning without testing it. So my bad. But uh, Pastor Bray's been doing a wonderful job of teaching us about God's voice. And, and if you didn't catch all the messages, please do yourself a favor and go back and watch the messages as he talks about how to prepare to hear the voice of God. The last two weeks he's been talking to us about the language that God uses to speak to us, like how God speaks. Um, this skill is just, I can't tell you enough how important it is to know the voice of God and to be able to discern the voice of God. So then the question comes, the next logical question is, now that we know the voice of God or we know how God speaks, how do we know it's God speaking to us, right? That's the next question. When I was in South Dakota uh, as a youth pastor, I, um, there was this public phone, okay? Some of us remember public phones. They don't have those anymore, right, because we all have cell phones. But there was a public phone that we used to have in, it was kind of in a wall that was hidden so that you couldn't see it from the church offices. One day I learned that that phone line was separate from the church office lines. And from the day I learned that, there were several times over the years from that time on where the secretaries would get calls from people, from people, uh, various people from various parts of the world. One of them was Raj. Uh, Raj was from India. And uh, sometimes Raj would call and he'd say, hey, where is Pastor Jared? Oh, I need to find him. Praise the gods. I need to talk to Pastor Jared. And uh, so Raj would call looking for Pastor Jared. And uh, man, it would confuse the secretaries. Uh, sometimes Jeffrey from the UK would call. Sometimes Jethro from Louisiana and the Deep South would give a phone call to the church secretaries. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to break up the monotony of the church office a little bit. And so I tried to keep them on their toes a little bit. But uh, there was one day that we had an upgrade to our phone system. And um, unbeknownst to me, we had upgraded the phone system. And so Raj was making one of his many phone calls to the church secretaries. And uh, as soon as Raj, uh, or as soon as the church secretaries answered the phone, uh, they said, Pastor Jared, come on, 
We can see it's you. We have caller ID now. So your fun's over. <laughs> so caller ID ruined my fun because I knew exactly who was talking to him. And that's the question, isn't it? We know how God speaks, but the question is, even though we know how God speaks, how do we know if it's really him speaking or if it's just us? That's the question that we want to look at today, and that's the question that we want to answer today. And I want to, before we talk about that and we dive into that, I want, I want you to know something this morning. That, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years, and discerning whether God is speaking to me or whether it's my own ideas and thoughts, that's an incredibly hard thing. And still, even after 30 years, I still struggle with that. And even the most seasoned Christians, and even the most, uh, you know, the Christians that are used in these areas where they're hearing the voice of God, they still struggle with it. There was an, uh, there's one in particular guy that I can think of, and he was out of a church in California, very well-known, popular church. A lot of our music that we play or that you hear on the radio, worship music, came from that church. Um, but God used him a lot in prophetic ministry, and I'll just give an example of how uh, amazing it is to watch this guy flow in that gift. He was at a conference, and uh, as I'm watching the video, he was at this conference, you know, a room full of hundreds of people. He'd never been here before. I think it was in Australia. And uh, he said, he got up to the platform and said, he's like, you know, Lord, let this mean something to somebody. But he said, polka duck, polka duck. And a couple's like, ah, and they're waving him down. He's like, come down here. He's like, he's like, thank God, because I got that word polka duck. What does that mean? Well, they, they told him, and what it means is it was, it's a business that they had. And as soon as they said it's a business, he's like, ah, he said it's a clothing business, isn't it? He's like, it's a business on Etsy. You know, he doesn't know them from Adam, doesn't know anything about them. But he's hearing the voice of God, and he's speaking these things. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and so he talks to the wife, has her introduce herself. And then he looks at the husband, he says, your name is Mark, isn't it? And the husband goes, yeah, that's my name. And he's like, I, I feel like God's saying that you've been mining for gold, but you've been finding salt. And then the husband just started laughing, you know, tearing up a little bit. He's like, well, what, what does that mean, what I just said? And he said, well, he said, I have another business called Salt Mining Co., you know, Salt Mining Company. And so this guy's just calling things out, you know, just one after another. And I've seen him do this hundreds of times, you know, legitimate hearing from God right in the moment. And you think, here's a guy who just knows how to hear the voice of God. Well, 2020 happened, and in February, I believe, of 2020, I could be wrong, could be March, this particular individual came out with a prophecy that said, this COVID-19 thing is going to slip in, it's going to be here for three months, and it's going to go out just as fast as it came in. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. Here's a guy who's seasoned in the prophetic, who hears God on a regular basis, and he still has trouble discerning the voice of God. So I want that to relax you a little bit today, that not even the most seasoned and mature Christians don't have this quite figured out. And why that is, it's, it's because I think God wants us to rely on him, and so he never does anything the same way twice. And, you know, I, I don't know what God's purposes are for that, but I just suffice it to say this morning that we're all in the place of it's hard to discern sometimes the voice of God. Even though we know how he speaks, sometimes it's hard to discern whether it's us or whether it's him. Some people will say things like, well, God, you know, he opens doors where he wants you to go, and he closes doors where he doesn't want you to go, and what we mean when we say that is God gives us opportunities, and God closes opportunities, and, and I'll tell you what, there's times when there's open doors, and uh, there's opportunities that God does not want you to go through, and there's other times when there's closed doors, because how many know the enemy would love to close the doors that God's trying to open for you? 
that God absolutely wants us to kick down that door and go in that direction. And so you can't just judge something based on open and closed doors. It's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard practice to discern the voice of God, to know if it's really him speaking. And so um, we can't know always with 100% certainty, but this morning I want to give you a list of five things, five tests that you can put this, put your words through. If you feel like God's speaking to you, I want to give you five tests that will help you to discern, is this God speaking to me or is this not? It's like a caller ID uh, for God's voice. So let's talk about that this morning. First test is the test of canon. First test is the test of canon. And the question that we're asking is, does what I'm here align with scripture? Does what I hear align with scripture? So canon is a word that means reed or measuring rod. You can think of it like a tape measure. It's like the, the accurate baseline by whether you measure something. It's the non-negotiable standard. And that's what the Bible is for us. The Bible is the non-negotiable standard by which we judge God's voice by. The Bible is our measuring rod. Second Peter 1, 20 through 22, or 21 says this. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding, or from human initiative. No, the prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. So what's this tell us? It tells us that God is the one who gave the words to the prophets, the ones that are recorded in the Bible, that we can trust because the Bible is the inerrant, inspired by the Holy Spirit, not literally written with God's hand, but written as God-inspired men throughout the years to write the Bible, Okay? So we can trust it. It's our source. It's our physical, it's, our, it's, our, it's God's physical voice to us on this. If you want to hear God speaking to you, open up the word. That's God's voice, okay? That's God's physical presence, or physical voice, rather, uh, in this earth today. So if you're hearing something from God and you're wondering, is it just me? Is it God? One of the things that you can do is right away you line it up against Scripture, if it's inconsistent with Scripture and if it's inconsistent with the character of God, then it's not from the Lord. So I'll give you an example of this. We have people that come in from time to time, just kind of randomly through the week, and want to talk to a pastor. And there was a woman who came in a while back, and she wanted to talk to me. And uh, she had been listening to a TikTok prophet. Okay, a prophet, evidently it's on TikTok. I don't follow the guy, and there's good reason as I started talking to her as to why I don't. But um, one of the things she said is this guy, he knows, the, he knows right when Jesus is going to come back. He knows exactly when. He's, he's given the date. He knows when it's going to happen. And then she started going off on some other things that this guy had said. And, and as she's talking, I'm like, this guy's you know, completely off his rocker. He's not hearing from God. Well, luckily with this woman, the, the nice thing is that she understood the authority of Scripture and she believed in the authority of Scripture. And so we had a, a common ground that I could work from. And so I said, okay, you know, let's take a look at what this guy had to say about Jesus coming back. The Bible says that nobody knows the day nor the hour. Not even Jesus knows the day or the hour that he's going to come back. And so you think that this guy has got some special revelation that Jesus doesn't have, that he's going to come back? You know, is this in the Word? No, it's not. It doesn't align with Scripture. Therefore, it doesn't work. And then systematically, we went through you know, three or four of this guy's claims, and they were all unscriptural. And so I was able to take her through the word, and we were able to see, hey, this guy does not hear from God. But for our own lives, we need to take those things, measure them up against the word of God. Does it hold water or does it not? There's Christian celebrities, and this has happened probably like 
10, 15 years ago, this, there was kind of like this rash of Christian, so they call them celebrity pastors or celebrity worship leaders or people that were just kind of like high up in ministries, people that we would, you'd be like a household name in Christian circles. Uh, but there's this, a bunch of them that were getting divorced and they were leaving their spouses. And, um, you know, there's a couple of them in particular, there was no reason given, there was no infidelity, there was no abuse, there was, you know, and, and obviously there's legitimate reasons for divorce, but none of those were found in, in what these people said. And uh, one in particular got up, and it was a pastor couple that was kept pastoring a church, and they got up in front of their congregation on a Sunday morning, and they said, we feel that God is leading us, you know, in different paths, and so we're going to get a divorce. Essentially, God's leading us to divorce. Well, that doesn't hold water with Scripture, does it? The Bible says God hates divorce. Okay, I know there's, again, there's legitimate, I don't want you to be condemned by what I'm saying this morning, but I want you to understand what they were saying was not scriptural. And so God wasn't really talking to them. It was their own desires, it was their own ideas, it was their own whatever convenience or comfort or whatever it was that caused them to want to get divorces. But we have always got to ask ourselves the question when we're hearing from God, is this us or is this Scripture, and we, it's got to always align with Scripture. If it doesn't align with Scripture, then no, you're not hearing from God. Okay, that's our first test. Our second test is the test of consistency. Consistency. And the question here is, do I continue to hear the same message repeatedly? The pattern that we see throughout the Bible is that God continues to speak to people when he wants to reveal his will to them. So there's this guy called Abraham that most of us are familiar with, but he was one of the original, what we call the patriarchs of the Jewish faith. He was like kind of, you know that song, Father Abraham? He was like the father of the Jewish nation. And God had spoken two specific things to him. One of them was that he was going to have many descendants, and the other was that the descendants were going to live in the land that Abraham was living in at the time, which was called Canaan. So God said, you're going to have a lot of descendants, they're going to live in Canaan. You know how many times God told him that? Eight separate times. On eight separate occasions, God pulled Abraham aside and said, you're going to have a lot of descendants, and they're going to live in Canaan. You're going to have a lot of descendants, they're going to live in Canaan. You're going to have a lot of descendants, they're going to live in Canaan. You're going to have a lot of descendants, they're going to live in Canaan. Okay, man, you're like a broken record already. God, all right, all right, I get it. I'm going to have descendants, they're going to live in Canaan. He told him eight separate times. Think about Jonah in the Bible, right? God spoke to Jonah. He said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Preach repentance to them. Tell them that I'm going to destroy them if they don't turn to me. And uh, Jonah said, we all know what he did. He said, nope. And he went the other direction. And uh, got on a boat and tried to sail in the opposite direction. And God spoke to him through what? Through a storm and through a whale. And uh, put him in very uncomfortable places until Jonah got the message. Okay? Yes. And he said yes. But God kept speaking that message, didn't he? He didn't just let Jonah go do his thing. But he kept speaking the message over to him. God is going to repeat himself until we understand. You know, sometimes we have this idea that, uh, you know, we, we call these things confirmations, but sometimes we have this idea that God speaks once, and that's it. I'm done. How many know God's a good father? How many fathers and mothers have to repeat yourselves to your kids once in a while to let them know what you mean? Until they listen to what you say, right? God speaks to us. And it's crazy when God does this because as he repeats himself, he doesn't always use the same language. And so he, you might be reading scripture and he confirms or he says something and he might use an individual to say something and confirm. And he might use a circumstance that comes up to confirm what he's talking about. And so it's great because he doesn't want to hide his will from us. 
He doesn't want us to guess at what he's thinking. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to know what he's saying. And so he gives us lots of clues about what he's saying and what he's doing. Um, You're going to get a lot of stories this morning about my time in Minnesota. It was a short time, but um, just prepare. You're going to get a lot of Minnesota stories this morning, just FYI. Um, I was in Minnesota. I was a youth pastor there for uh, a year, and I was... Um, trying to make, uh, I, had a, I had an opportunity to go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to go to a church to be a youth pastor after I'd been in Morris, Minnesota for a year. And I was trying to make this decision. It was a tough decision for me to make. And um, one, of the, uh, one of the ways God spoke to me in that time was I was, it, it, the job was to be a middle school youth pastor. The church I came from, we had high school and middle school together because they didn't have it wasn't a big enough church to have two separate staff members, kind of like our, you know, ours is, we just have one youth pastor. Um, but in the moment, in the middle of that, I was trying to make this decision, and one of my youth sponsors came up, and she said to me, she's like, man, you know, Pastor Jared, like, you're really good with middle schoolers, like, especially the boys. She's like, I don't know what it is about it. I'm, I understand it's because I have the same mentality of them, and I'm on the same level, but she didn't know that. Um, so she said, you know, Pastor Jared, I, I see you interacting with him. And you, you've really got a gift there. And I was like, oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Well, she didn't know. She had no idea what I was thinking. I had not told anybody in Morris at that time. I was contemplating this decision. So I tucked that in the back of my head. The same week, another sponsor, or a youth sponsor comes up to me. Or not a parent, not a youth sponsor. A parent comes up to me, almost verbatim says the same thing. Pastor Jared, you're really good with middle schoolers. I really think you've got a gift with middle schoolers. Here's God speaking to me speaking to me, speaking to me. He's repeating himself to me so I understand his will, so I don't have to guess at what he's saying or if it's just me or my idea, but I've got confirmation in that. So God's going to speak to you repeatedly. So look for that when God is speaking to you. And to know, is it me or is it God? It's like you'll, you'll get in the car and you'll see it on a billboard or you hear it in a song or you get it in a conversation. God's going to repeat himself. He's not, he's not just going to sit back and let you try to guess at what his will is. And I'm going to throw a side note in here, too. This is something that I hear a lot, but, you know, sometimes people will say, hey, if, you know, if God's speaking to you, if God's giving you a direction, you're going to know because you're going to have peace about that. And you may have even said that yourself, and I, I think I might have said that at some points in my life, but I want to tell you this morning, I think, I think I understand the intent behind that phrase, but I don't think it's true. I think the intent behind that phrase is you're going to have peace because when you do what you know God's calling you or telling you to do or you're hearing him say to you, then you're going to have a peace because you, you, you know that that's the right direction. But what it sounds like when people say that is, hey, you're going to know it's God speaking to you because you're going to have 100% complete peace. You're not going to have any chaos or internal conflict. Everything is just going to, you know, your mind's going to be completely settled and everything's going to be fine. And I can tell you without a doubt that that is 100% not accurate. Emotions make things a little bit cloudy. Emotions are great. Emotions are given by God. They are great servants, but terrible masters. And so when you're, anytime you're relying on emotion, and peace is, is an emotion, um, anytime you're relying on that to make your decisions, it's going to cloud your judgment. And, you know, you look in the Bible, you look at Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was going to the cross. He was agonizing over that decision, even though he knew that that's what God has have, wanted him to do. He was saying things like, Jesus, or saying things like, God, take this cup from me. If it's at all possible for me not to have to do this, I don't want to do it. So you look at that situation, you think, oh, Jesus was completely at peace at the garden. No, he wasn't. 
He was in turmoil over that decision, even though he knew it's what God wanted for his life. When I was, um, so go back to, to my time in Minnesota, um, when I was a student coming out of my schooling, I was, uh, I was 19 years old, I was pretty young at that time, uh, but I was coming out of my ministry training, and I was going to be a youth pastor. I know I had heard God say that to me, to be a youth pastor, but there was a couple of different locations that had opened up as doors or opportunities uh, that I had the opportunity to go to. One of them was uh, Minnesota, Morris, Minnesota. And so they invited me to come up and to kind of check things out and to kind of get to know the place and see it so I can make a decision. And uh, I remember going up there. I was, again, I was 19 years old. And for me at this time, I was moving three hours away from home which, um, you know, for me was kind of a big deal because, you know, I was young at the time, and that's a, that's, a ways to be, that's a ways away to be from home, you know, without a support system, going to a place where I don't know anybody and, you know, that whole thing. So um, I came in there that morning. I'd met the pastor. He took me to the church, and it was a Sunday morning. They were between churches, and so I walked into this. It was, it was, it was a temporary place they rented, but it was an old funeral home, and it had nasty green shag carpet, and it had dark paneled walls. I mean, it's right out of the 70s. And uh, it was a tiny congregation. They only had about 50 people. And, you know, up until this point, the church that I grew up in was about 200 people. The church that I came from with schooling was about 1,000 people. So I'm going to this tiny little church. And, you know, I'm, so immediately when I walked in the door, I just I was anxious. And I just felt really out of place and really uncomfortable. And this lady came up to me. She's like, oh, you're a new youth pastor. You know, I'm like, lady, I ain't signed up for nothing yet, you know. Like... <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just here to, to check things out. Um, I didn't say that to her. That's what I was thinking in my mind. Um, I went in and, and uh, the pastor had me introduce myself to the congregation. Did a horrible job because I was super nervous uh, and I wasn't great at public speaking anyway. But did a super bad job. Then that afternoon, had lunch with the pastor and his wife. And uh, he's like, what do you want to do? You want to see the town? Do you want to check out our new church? Because they were building a new church. Um, do you want to take a nap? And I was like, yes, nap. I want to take a nap. I wasn't really tired. I just wanted to get away from everybody because I was freaked out. I mean, I was feeling so uncomfortable. So I just kind of hung out in the bedroom for a couple of hours, got up and went to the church that night to meet parents and let them kind of interview me a little bit. And I talked to them and I'll tell you what, I was in that meeting and it was, it was horrible. I did a horrible job. They made fun of me afterwards. You know, weeks down the line, they made fun of me for how bad that was. But I went in there. I, was just, I just couldn't think of anything but leaving that place. And the night came, and I left that place. I got in my car, and I, I audibly said to myself, I am not going there. That is off my list. I'm done. And uh, so you look at that situation and scenario, and right there, I had zero peace. That was complete chaos and complete conflict. And I got back, and, you know, for about a week, I was just, it wasn't even a thought because I was like, I'm not going to that place. I'm done. But at about the end of a week, I started getting, because I, I met the youth when I was up there as part of it. At the end of the week, all I could see, like, I started getting these images in my mind of the youth. It just kept popping up, and I couldn't get them off my heart, and they just kept popping up and popping up, and no matter how hard I tried to not think about it, all I could think about was the youth. Their faces just kept popping up in my mind, and God was working on my heart and eventually spoke to me, and I, I made the choice to go to Morris, but... I say all that and I tell you that long story to tell you that peace is not always the greatest indicator of whether you're hearing God's voice. Sometimes it's a really bad indicator of hearing God's voice. So don't always rely on that. Um, rely on the other tests. Rely on these things that we're talking about. So let's talk about the third test. That's the test of counsel. Counsel. 
The question is, do my family, friends, and mentors agree that this is from God? So this is, I've heard, I think I've heard from God. I'm not quite sure. So I'm going to go talk to mentors in my life and other Christians, family, and friends in my life um, to get some perspective and to see what they think and get some counsel. Proverbs 19, 20 through 21. Get all the advice and instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Get all the advice and instruction you can. So you hear something from God, and you say, I need to check it with somebody else. There's some people you shouldn't go, uh, shouldn't go get advice from, okay? Janky Uncle Larry, who's been in jail six times, don't go to him, okay? He's probably not the guy that you want to talk to. Um, you know, if you've got crazy, charismatic Aunt Susan who has to pray about whether she's going to have peas or carrots for lunch, you probably don't want to go to her, okay? You want to find people that are quality, that are solid. I got a little list of people of, of characteristics you should look for and people that you want to go and run this by. Um, first of all, you want to find someone who displays the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, okay, self-control. You want to find someone who exudes these things out of their life. They're a good, that means they have the Holy Spirit within them. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the evidence that the Holy Spirit's working in them. And so find someone who displays the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, someone you trust. You want to go to someone you trust because sometimes the things that you're telling them or sharing with them are things you don't want other people to know. And you want to be as open as you possibly can be. And that only comes when you trust the person that you're talking to. So find somebody that you can trust. The third thing to look for is find someone who knows you well. Find someone who knows you well. Find someone who knows a little bit about, <coughs> excuse me, find someone who knows a little bit about your uh, motivations, about your heart, about the things you tend to do and tend not to do, and just someone who, who understands you so that they can call you out on things if they need to. And that's really the last one, someone who's willing to tell you things that you don't want to hear. You want to be able to go to someone who can speak the truth to you and not just tell you the things that you want to hear, but tell you the truth and tell you their real perspective. And so um, <clears throat> I remember, again, I was going to tell you another more story I told you. Um, I was making that decision as a ministry student because I had uh, a couple of options on the table. I could go to uh, Indiana, and actually there was a church in Indiana that had flown me out, and I preached, and it was actually a really good experience, unlike the one in Minnesota. It was actually a really good experience. And I came back, and so I was trying to make a decision between going to, to Minnesota or going to Indiana. And um, in the midst of that, I called my old youth pastor, and I said, hey, um, I got these two options on the table. What do you think? And he gave me a piece of advice that was completely natural, it was, uh, if that's a good way to say it. He gave me a piece of advice, something I never would have thought of in my own, um, but it was a great piece of advice and actually was kind of like, the, the thing that, that pushed me in the right direction. He said, he said you're, I was dating Devin at the time, and he said, hey, is this, uh, is this thing going anywhere with Devin? I was like, well, yeah, I, I sure hope so. I mean, I, I, I wanted to. He said, well, then, he said, do you want to be three hours away from her, or do you want to be 14 hours away from her? I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, that was it. And so I hung up the phone, and that was it. That was really what made my uh, you know, I, was, I had been in the process for a while, but really that, I felt like that was God's voice confirming Morris was the way to go. And so, um, Pastor Barry, thank you for that piece of advice. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and Devin said, I think Devin says thank you. He said, okay, good, good. She still likes me, yes, after all these years. So, run that counsel by. I never would have thought about that. I mean, to me, that, that wasn't a consideration at that time, but 
That was a great piece of advice, and that was God speaking through Pastor Barry. So I appreciate that. Uh, fourthly, the test of credit. Test of credit. Question is, is this leading self-serving, or is this voice that I'm hearing God-serving? Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, this verse gets a little bit lost in cultural translation because the cross, we understand what it meant to Jesus, but the cross was, you know, Jesus wasn't the only one to get crucified on a cross. That happened many times. It was an instrument of execution. And so for us to understand this, it might almost be more proper for us to say, you know, if you're going to follow me, then take up your electric chair, deny yourself, and follow me, right? It was an instrument of death. And what kind of death was Jesus talking about? Physical death? Not necessarily. Jesus was talking about us dying to the things that we want in our lives, the things that we, uh, maybe the things that make us comfortable, the things that maybe bring us pleasure, maybe the things that bring recognition to us, okay, those things. Jesus was saying, sometimes you're going to have to kill some of those things in order to follow me. Because if you want to uh, follow me, I'm going to take you into places where you're not always going to have recognition. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be pleasurable, you know, but you're going to have to make some sacrifices to follow me. And so when we look at that verse, we say, okay, here, here we go. When we're following Jesus. We know that it's about his kingdom, not necessarily about our comfort. And so when you hear God speaking to you, if it's, if it's taking you into a place that's self-sacrificing, away from comfort, away from pleasure, away from recognition, then there might be a good chance that God's leading you in that direction. Or that might be God's voice speaking to you because God is taking you into a place where, you know, it's against our nature to be. I've had a few people over the years who've come to me and, you know, youth mostly, who've, a couple of them particularly, who've, who've said, I feel called to thir a third world nation. And you know, one was Africa, one was Central America. And they said, I, I feel like it's just my flesh making that decision. I was like, well... Let's talk about that for a second. You want to take yourself, you feel like you should go into a place that's thousands of miles away from your support system and anybody that you know. You want to take yourself out of the safety and security of a first world nation and put yourself in a third world nation, uh, you know, which is notoriously unsafe. And you want to take yourself into a place where you're not going to be making any money. In fact, you're going to pay to go there. Does that sound like a flesh decision to you? No, it doesn't. Okay, so sometimes we look at those decisions, we say, okay, it's leading us away from those, so maybe there might be something here. Maybe God is speaking to me in those ways. And, and, and not, I've been talking kind of a lot in terms of like direction that God takes you, but sometimes it's speaking in the moment. You know, Pastor Barry talked a couple weeks ago, I think, about, um, about God speaking to you in things, in using the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, like word of wisdom and word of knowledge. You know, sometimes it's those, those things that happen in the moment where you have to step out and God's asking you to step out into an uncomfortable place because maybe God's asking you to say something particular to a coworker, and uh, if it's not right, you're going to look like a fool. You know, you're going to look like that crazy person that said, God told me, and then you're going to say the wrong thing. Um, but that's a self-sacrificing place to be, and that's probably not a place you would put yourself intentionally. So maybe it's a, something that God's doing, and I, I would encourage you and challenge you to say yes to that voice. When you hear that happening. Last test, test number five, test of the clock. Test of the clock. Question is this, as I look back, was I correctly hearing the voice of God? This test is not really so much about the moment. This test is a quality check for the future. As you reflect, this test might happen days, weeks, months, or even years after you've listened to God when the fruit of your decision has finally played out. You know, they say hindsight is always 20-20, right? 
When you look back, it's like you see things so much clearer when you look back than when you do when you're in the middle of that circumstance and that situation. You look back and you're like, oh, yeah, that was the right decision, or oh, yeah, that was a horrible decision. Why couldn't I see that at the time? Well, you have all that time and that experience, and you've seen how things have played out, and that's what I say. When I say test of the clock, that's what I'm talking about as it refers to God's voice. You know, when I was, um, so let's go back to Morris for a second. Um, Pastor Barry had, if you didn't figure it out, Pastor Barry is my, was my youth pastor. Um, he would always drill into us as youth, um, and not all of us, but, you know, those that would kind of hang out close to him. Um, he would say, you know, a youth pastor needs to stick around because youth pastors in this day and age don't stick around churches very often. You know, it used to be the average stay for a youth pastor was like 18 to 24 months. So thank God for Pastor Donnie, who's been here like, what, 17 years or something? So tell Pastor Donnie, thank you for sticking around for your kids. But he would say in this age of divorce, when kids can't trust their parents to be there for them, they need something or someone who's going to be there. And, and thank you, Pastor Barry, for sticking it out in Brookings for how many years? The, 10? 10 years as a youth pastor. He stuck it out, and he was true to his word. Um, but he drilled that into me, you know, so that I felt like, yes, that's, and I was like, yes, that's correct, that's right, we got to be there for the kids. So I was in Morris, Minnesota, I had a group, a small youth group, like I said, the church was small, but the youth group was about 10 to 15 kids, um, and, I, I, and I had this opportunity to go to South Dakota to be a youth pastor. Well, a couple things were making that decision very hard. Number one, because I knew this information I'm telling you this morning, imagine that, um, that I knew that sometimes, you know, God calls us to self-sacrifice. So going to Morris, that was, that part of it was easy because I knew that was self-sacrifice. Like I wasn't making any money. Um, you know, I was in a really uncomfortable place. I was in a place I didn't know people. I was far away. You know, that, that I was in a small church, you know, I knew I wasn't, that was easy. I knew it was self-sacrificing. Well, going to Sioux Falls, going back to this church of a thousand people, um, I was getting paid a lot more relatively from where I was at. Uh, I knew people there because I'd already been there for a couple of years going to school, so I was very comfortable with the people, and so it was tending towards comfort, and so I was struggling with that. That was number one. Number two, the thing I was struggling with was I was hearing that voice of Pastor Barry in my head saying, youth pastors stick around, because I'd only been there for a year. Youth pastors stick around. Youth pastors don't leave. You know, you need to be a youth pastor that sticks around, and he's completely right, 100%, but I, but I was wrestling with that. And so I, uh, I was agonizing over that decision, and, and, as you know, and as you know, I think I told you in, this, in the midst of all of our stories that I did make the decision to go back to Sioux Falls. I carried some guilt with me for a few years about that decision, but after about, it was about the third year, as I, I looked back one day, and I, I'm pretty sure it was the Lord speaking to me, and, and I was reflecting on my time in Minnesota, Eight of those 10 of my core kids who were in Minnesota, they went on to ministry training programs, and a couple of them went on to become pastors. And out of, I mean, that's 80% of the kids that were there. I was there for a year. After I left, the, the entire group, they kind of all, they were, most of them were about graduation age. And so within the next two years, they all kind of left anyway. So that group really didn't exist after that. But 80% of them went on to ministry training after that. And God spoke to me in that and said, you know what, you made, the, well, either God spoke to me or I understood, I made the right decision. In hindsight, sometimes God does keep you in places for a season, right? But hindsight, well, without hindsight, I wouldn't have known that. Now, 
Now, just to let you know, I did stay in Sioux Falls for like another 11 years, and I've been here for 11 years, and so I'm not interested in just hopping from church to church, and I know that about myself, but um, I had to reassure myself on that. But God spoke to me through hindsight. So sometimes, like I said, this isn't one for the moment, but this is one to look back on. Why is that important? That's important because when you look back in hindsight and you say, okay, yeah, I heard God, and the steps that I took were right here, then you start to, rem- you start to understand this is how I hear God in the future. You start to have experience with discerning the voice of God and knowing whether you got it right or you, even if you got it wrong, it's still valuable to know. And so the test of the clock is a really, really good one when you're looking back and you're, you're contemplating how you're going to discern the voice of God in the future. So those are the five tests. Let's go over them one more time. The test of canon, the test of consistency, counsel, the test of credit, and the test of the clock. Those are the five things. And are, is that an exhaustive list? No, it's not by any means an exhaustive list. But uh, those are some really good principles found throughout the Word of God that you can use to figure out, is it me or is it God speaking? And so, um, so this morning as I, as I close up, I, uh, you know, the beginning of the message, I talked to you about the difference between knowing the voice of God and knowing our own thoughts. It's very tricky. It's hard to know with 100% certainty if it's really God speaking to us or not. He speaks many times, as the Bible says, and Pastor Barry talked about this, in a still, small voice. The Hebrew for that's literally like a whisper. And in a loud world with lots of distractions, it'd be really hard to hear God speaking to us. But I, wanna, I want you to hear what Jesus says in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. The most important key to knowing the voice of God is to be one of his sheep. And I'll talk to you about that, what that means in just a second, but... There was a, a park um, called Sertoma Park in Sioux Falls that we used to go to quite a bit when we lived there. And there was these big, they look like, um, remember those big satellite dishes that people in the country used to have? And it's like, you know, to get the different satellites. Some of you remember that. Um, it was, they looked like big satellite dishes that were kind of just put there. One was here and one was here. And they were about 50 yards apart from each other. And they had these little iron rings in the middle, about six foot from the center of the dish. And what was crazy about that is, you know, you're in the middle of a park, and there's kids running around, and there's traffic, because it was close to a really, uh, Sertoma Avenue, which is really a crazy, busy street. There's a lot of noise going around. But what was really cool about these dishes is that you could, you could sit, and you, you know, you could sit, and you could say something, you literally, you could whisper into, you know, if you put your face right where that ring was, you could whisper into that dish, and you could have someone 50 yards away with their back turned to you on this side of the dish, and if they had their face in that ring, it sounded like you're standing right next to each other. With all the crazy, busy noise that was going on around you, you could hear them like they were whispering in your ear. It was the craziest thing, and it has to do, I'm sure, with, you know, mathematics and stuff that I don't care about, but that's how it would work. Um, it, and it, it's, it, the crazy thing is, though, when you're doing that and someone's speaking to you, even if you move your head like six inches to a foot outside of that circle, you can't hear them anymore. You have, to have your, you have to have your face right in that area so that you can hear them. If you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to position yourself in the right place. You have to be a sheep. What does that mean? Sheep stuck close to the shepherd, didn't they? The shepherd was there to protect him. He was there to provide for him. He was there to watch over him. And the sheep that wandered off and went astray, they would get eaten by wolves or they would get lost or they'd go over a cliff. But the sheep that stayed close to the shepherd were safe. 
you want to hear the voice of God, if you really want to hear, if you really want to know God's voice and know if you're hearing him, the best thing that you can do is stay as close to the shepherd as you possibly can. Position your life in a place where you can hear him when that still, small voice comes to your heart. Like I said, God's not trying to hide it from you by any stretch of the imagination. It's more, it's more about our willingness to listen and to put ourselves in a place where we can hear him. And that means making some sacrifices sometimes. That means maybe putting down a phone once in a while so that we're not distracted. That means not listening to the other distractions and things that are going on, but maybe just putting those things aside and finding a time in the day where we can just get alone with the voice of God so that we can put our head into that ring and hear that still, small voice calling to us and speaking to us and talking to us. You've been given some great instruction on hearing and discerning the voice of God over the last four weeks, but you can't fully hear him until you've taken that time to listen. So get alone with him, spend time in prayer, not just talking, but listening. I promise, you learn how to listen and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live an adventurous and fulfilled life. That's part of the package that Jesus says when uh, Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, about living a fulfilled life, because he came here to do that for us. Amen? Amen. All right. How many are going to go out and practice this week, listening and discerning the voice of God in your lives? Watch out, it's dangerous. <laughs> Some of you may not be here next year if you, if you listen to the voice of God. Why, because there's other churches to go to? No, not necessarily. No, it's because God might speak adventurous things to you and he may take you into places and give you opportunities that you never imagined possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for this great congregation of people that sits before me this morning. Lord, I pray as they continue to lean into you, God, as they continue to sit at your feet, Lord, you'd speak to them. God, let them position their lives in that place where they can hear your voice. God, I pray that you'd help them to get rid of the distractions because, Lord, we know that there's loads of distractions in our culture that want to tear us away from spending time with you and from focusing our attention and our heart to hear what your Spirit's saying. But, God, we know it's so vitally important that we hear your voice because that's where the real life of a Christian flows from. So, Holy Spirit, speak to us in ways that are undeniable. Holy Spirit, speak to us in ways that... uh, that are new and that are exciting. And Lord, help us to know and discern that it's you. God, I pray as we go out from this place that there will be supernatural gifts that will happen this week because we've been listening to your voice. I pray that people will know who you are because we've been listening to your voice. God, I pray that you bring people into the kingdom and expand your kingdom because we've been listening to and discerning your voice. Father, we love you, and I pray for every person that leaves this place, God, that you bring them into contact with someone new this week that they can share your message with and your kingdom with. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.